You're listening to Two Sides of Phi, a podcast that follows two lifelong friends as they seek financial independence and to retire early. I'm Eric, and I'm joined by my friend Jason, who reached Phi in 2020. And this is our story. One of the ways I thought about framing the discussion, and you can tell me if you think this is a good idea or a bad idea, but um, just this idea that there's a progression of mistakes that build on one yeah. another. And I feel like I got to a point of financial literacy in my 40s, finally. Okay. I mean, it took me a long time. But I ended up making all of these mistakes in my early years, my 20s, 30s, leading into my 40s. And I think they're not uncommon mistakes when you look back at it because they're a function of when you're young, a function of your parents or the financial operating system that was in existence in your house, wherever you grew up. Yeah. Then you go to college and there's a certain set of, or, or not, you know, you graduate high school and you go into the working world, you go to college, there's a set of financial circumstances there that you're presented with. And then, sure. And you start building on assumptions or ideas that you had learned when you were younger. And if those are false assumptions or bad ideas or limiting beliefs, <laughs> you're starting yeah. to build on these mistakes. And then you get into your thirties and you start earning more money potentially. And that, so I don't Make know if new that, mistakes. Yeah. And I don't know if that's a good way of framing this discussion, but it's kind of when I started thinking back on, it, I was like, Oh, wow. You know, you can think about your most recent mistake but when you trace it back, <laughs> it all kind of lands for me, at least in my, my teens, you know, where I'm just kind of like, I don't know. <laughs> did, I, yeah. I, did you budget when you were in high school? Did you ever think about budgeting no. or no? No, but I, I don't know. I don't think I spent a ton of money in high school or at least the money I spent. Yes, you was, did. It was very directed, right? It was like, you bought I a had car. a car. <laughs> I had a car. Yeah, but I knew I wanted a car from the time I was like 13 and that's when I started working, right? I was doing babysitting and odd jobs and stuff and yeah. I was saving for a car and except for bad habits as a teen, like smoking, uh, <laughs> where I had to spend money for sure. Yeah. Uh, maybe fishing lures, right? Things like that. <laughs> I didn't spend a ton until I got a little older. I think, you know, when you but think about a, like how we spent our summers and stuff, but no, I definitely didn't budget to answer I mean, your question. As no a, budget. As a po portion of your net worth, buying a car was, <laughs> had to be like 80% <laughs> of your net worth, right? <laughs> yes. For my, uh, the very nice cars that I bought, you'll remember the first one was, I believe a hundred dollars and that had oh no floorboards in it. Uh, the next one was a big step up. I think dad had to help me. That might've been uh, $700. <laughs> Dude, well, what about you? I mean, were you, did you start a saver? Like I, you, you started working pretty young, at least summers. Yeah. I, I, I saved money all with the goal of buying things. And I remember spending, saving up to buy a $600 amp. Um, Dude, like, I was so jealous of that amp. It was huge. And for no, for no reason, like it was, oh, it was a, totally a reason. 18 inch speaker on loud. the bottom, two 10 inch speakers on the top, yeah. 150 watt head. I lived in an apartment building. I had no business buying this amp like my mother and father would go to eat down in town and they'd come home my mother would come up to my room i can hear you playing all the way down on main street it's like i barely remember you playing that thing loudly ever oh man well like, that's because you couldn't no i couldn't really no your but... amp my amp was like the size of a laptop <laughs> at that time maybe a little bigger right i had i had a micro bass 
the PV. Yeah. Like, yeah, there was, there was no making that thing loud. It just sounded like ass if you turned it up all the way. <laughs> but when you play in a band, like I remember a few times when we all got together and like played it serious, like performance level, like then it made sense. It made perfect sense. Yeah. <laughs> but, well, I mean, the only thing that can make any of the bands we were in better would be to play louder. <laughs> so you couldn't actually hear it. Proper distortion. <laughs> yeah. But you know, you know, it's funny when I was thinking back on that, so I, it was $600 for that. It was like a lot of money for me at yeah. the time. Obviously you said you bought a $700 car. Uh, but you know what? Fast forward to like when I'm in my like late thirties here, I bought and I started playing guitar instead of bass. I bought this ridiculous amp. I did it again, like two 10 inch speakers. It was a PV, like insane amp for my house. I mean, I had okay. two young kids <laughs> in this house. So the house behind me here and I wasn't in a band. I wasn't, right. I was nothing, man. I was playing in the studio or in the house and sure. I just, and again, I made the same why? stupid mistake, right? Well, I let's talk about why. Cause I bet that's just as important as the what. So you had all these years to learn, <laughs> right? From your yeah. previous mistakes. Why did you buy? Maybe the answer is different this time. Like, why did you buy such a big amp? I think we just buy things to make ourselves feel good in the moment. I don't know. There's just a lot of that consumer yeah. culture that is just baked into who we are. I mean, you bought a drone this week, right? I did. You didn't need a drone. No. I mean, and yet you were justifying, well, you know, I can... I can use it for this or that. And I was, even I was feeding into that. I was like, oh, you man, were totally I, feeding into it. I actually blame you. He's going to buy this thing. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you 80, 20 odds that, that day. <laughs> no, it started off at like 60, 40. Yeah, I know. I was sell, <laughs> selling myself short. <laughs> like 30 seconds later, it was up to 80, 20. I know myself. I like, too oh, it's well. bought. <laughs> yeah, it's basically bought. I had already made the plan. But why'd you buy that? <laughs> because I can, right? Uh, you know, it, it fits into, you know, pretty discretionary level of spending, given how little of that I tend to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I looked at it as an opportunity to do more of something that I liked doing anyway, but I'd only done it at the very much hobbyist level. And I just started thinking like, well, maybe this will turn into something else, right? I, I like the idea of learning a lot more about videography because it's always been more appealing to me than than static photography. Yeah. Um, and it's a very different, you know, angle, right, if you will, on the whole thing, the idea of being aerial and taking photos, <laughs> taking video. So I like that. No, no like plan or guarantee yeah. that it's going to turn into anything more than a hobby, but it could, who knows? I don't know. And, and yeah, I mean, but sure. Like when you buy things like that, I think it's a very normal reaction, right? It's an, you know, there's a, a, a boost when you, when you purchase something that's really nice. I, I think especially I have found as I've gotten older and earned more and such, it's like, Oh, I couldn't have bought this before, right. but now yeah. I can. Yeah, yeah. So like, I'm going to go buy it. It's going right. to feel great. You and I both went to college yep. and, and you end up spending this insane amount of money that is, it's so abstract because first of all, you're not, you're not even touching it, right? You've never earned the amount, the sums of money that they're requesting from you at college. Right. <laughs> it's just flowing through your fingers without you really even appreciating the colossal scale to which you're putting yourself in debt. At least it was that way for me. I don't know. I mean, I had some financial aid. How about you? Yeah, I mean, I honestly, it's t kind of tough to dial the clock back sometimes. 
I didn't think that much about the debt being incurred. Uh, you know, my I had gotten a good amount of financial aid, both privately and from the school. And then my parents and I each had loans yeah. that were going to come due when I got out. And I honestly didn't think about it that much. You know, the thing for me in college, that was the first time I had a credit card. And your parents mm. have to co-sign for that. Me you know? too. So you start... There was this idea that you needed to build up a credit history, you know, that that was important, but I don't know about you, but I didn't pay attention to the interest rate on that thing. It's just like, oh, it's a credit card. It's, it's, oh, interesting. It's what you Oh, I was afraid of it. I I was terrified of the credit card, honestly. Yeah. Maybe this is a difference. I'd love to talk about this for me. I knew I had to have that credit card. I remember signing up for the secured credit card. I mean, man, what was that first one? Like 500 bucks or a thousand bucks? It wasn't like that. (laughs) It was so little. The credit card. And I would use it and then pay it off. And I used it for so few things because I was terrified of like the having to owe more money. And I don't know where that came from, honestly, because I don't recall that my parents got into trouble with credit cards or anything like that. I, I don't think I saw anybody struggle with credit cards until a little later in life good friend in college actually. And then some other family members, but, um, I was so afraid of that. I have, I don't know why. Well, how about you? So you had that credit card going to college and did, did you have any issues with credit then, or maybe, you know, just getting out of college? You know, in college I had three jobs. So I worked a graphic design job. I worked for a guy who was, you know, um, building cabinets. I was doing shop drawings for him. And then I also had work study. So I was working in student life um, housing. And that is something that my parents always instilled in me from high school that you work for what you want. And I know you were the same way, even though you chose not to work in college because you, you did a lot of, you know, working in high school and of course working through summers, but those jobs allowed me some kind of spending money. So I definitely used the credit card. The way that was set up was, my father, my mother and father, I think co-signed for that, right? Like I think that, that was required because yeah. I had no credit history. And so I would just send the money home to them. And there was a period okay. there that I was paying those, making those regular payments, but the payments somehow got mixed up and and they weren't, the card was not paid. And so I got into like pretty early trouble <laughs> with the credit cards. I was like, oh, okay. oh, I thought I was paying this off, you know? So anyway, that's, you know, that's, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> But I never really had a problem where I would carry like a big balance month month to month just because psychologically it just never felt that great. If you look at the flip side of the, the balance sheet, <laughs> the college loans were just building up and building up. Laura and I were pretty dating pretty seriously by the end of her college term. So at when her four years was up, she went on to grad school um, right. and she th- was then living off of student loans. And when I graduated architecture school and we moved in together, um, we went to where she was going to school. We basically, we used her loans for like food and yeah. she used some of it to buy a car, <laughs> like, like yeah. a new car. <laughs> I remember when you told me that <laughs> I, I like, inside was very concerned. And I, I honestly, <laughs> really? Eric, can't remember if I said anything out loud because I, you know, I figured like that reckoning is going to come. But I, honestly, because I'm such a chicken about like things that appear confrontational, I have no idea if I shared that concern or if I was just like, oh, no, you definitely. I, I totally remember we talked about it. You know what? You didn't share it. But also, Damn uh, it. I, I don't like you. I don't feel like we really had any other choice. I mean, I was making yeah. a small amount of money in my first job. Laura was making, you know, 
a, a TA's stipend basically, which is nothing and going to school. And we were living in the cheapest place we could possibly find at near, near where she was going to grad school. And right. so none, like none of it felt negotiable to me. And also, I mean, this kind of sets up what maybe one of the larger financial mistakes that I see when you're in your twenties, that's your chance to be saving, right? That's totally. where you're, you can put your money to work and it has the most earning potential over your entire working career. And I was doing, I didn't savings account that bit, that idea basically disappeared when I was 16, you know, wow, after okay. I bought that amp and drained the savings account, I, there was no savings account. after that. Did you have one? I mean, were you saving in your twenties? Don't tell me you were. Okay. So in my twenties, I mean, I did get a four, 401k at my first job. Yeah. Okay. And I think I made it up to the match, but no more than that. I did. And, too. I, and I definitely didn't get a Roth. I, I don't know. Maybe they talked about it at that same seminar as the 401k, but I really don't think so. I, I feel it. like I would remember yeah. that. So I didn't know about that. Didn't know about HSAs. So none of that. I may have had like a very small emergency savings of like a, a thousand dollars or a couple thousand oh. dollars. Because I'm well, I'm a paranoid more, person. Yeah, that's more. Than but I it had. definitely wasn't uh, any three months or six months or anything like that. Um, no. I mean, say you're you're right to say I did start. I was excited to start saving for retirement at that first job, and they offered it. You know, after a one year waiting period, it was some kind of grace period. Yeah, yeah. And then they offer you the you know very limited options, which mine, I think I've talked about this before. They were all these front loaded mutual exactly. funds, you know, five and three quarter percent front loaded mutual funds. So, you know, just not great options. So, but I did, I did actually consider that saving and I was excited to do that. So I guess I always maybe had that as a mental framework that I was relying on, but I, but never, it was never a serious look at my finances to say, where could I be spending less? Because in your 20s, I feel like spending is a big part of your life. You spend for mm -hmm. fun. Your friends are starting to get married. You're probably spending on you know going to weddings and all of that kind of thing. You're traveling fi finally, maybe yeah. you know, um, even if it's not extravagant or how you might picture yourself traveling. You're doing like hostel stays or you're camping or something like that. But you know, I feel like a lot of that, the optics on your financial plan is very in the moment. <laughs> like I think that's fair. Yeah. For, probably for most people. Yeah. Yeah. But no, right? no general big overarching plan to, oh, I want to retire someday. Well, okay. That's very far in the future. So I'll stick in this retirement account. Maybe one day that'll amount to something, but nothing other than that, you know, there's no other grand plan to kind of tax optimize. Like you said, Roth, like a Roth yeah. IRA. No, <laughs> all I, of the I didn't years know the term. I could have contributed to that. Not, that's why I'm trying to teach my kids about it when they're young. Like they, my, both my kids have Ross. I'm like, here's how it works. Cause I wish someone had sat me down and said, when I was earning less than 12,000 bucks a year, contribute to this. Now you'll, you'll be happy you did. Yeah, no, that's, it's an awesome thing that you did. I, I can't get my, uh, my 15 year old to do any kind of work like that yet. So she has no earned income and I don't have a business that's producing enough where I can pay her. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but are you doing you know, Roths now? Cause I feel like even, I mean, I, at a certain point you kind of ate, you 
you earn out of the the structure where you can even take advantage of it. Um, yeah, there was a point where I was doing uh, Roth conversions while I was still working. Not the best time to do it, but yeah. we had modeled out a bunch of different scenarios, and okay. it made sense to do my traditional IR to convert my traditional IRA contributions because that had been part of my strategy for a while. You know, sure. financial order operations, right? Moving Eventually got to after tax IRA, but yeah, I have a Roth, and it will come in handy at some point, but, uh, it's, it's hanging out doing its thing much like my, uh, my HSA does. Yeah. But, I uh, had HSA at, at like, think two different jobs, you know, the employer had funded it and I had funded it. There was this kind of matching thing because they couldn't, Oh, it, it was like okay. a high deductible healthcare plan. And they're like, Oh, yes. we'll just fund half of your HSA for the year, the full contribution. So I had this like pot of money in there. And I, when I left, I was like, I need band-aids, you know, I need like tourniquets, like first tourniquets. What are you guys doing in your house? (laughs) I agree with you. I I didn't have any kind of grandiose saving strategy at my very first job. I think at my second job, I started putting more into my 401k, went way beyond the match, uh, maybe up to the max, but I doubt it, but it was higher. And then I got divorced. And like in many cases, there's a negotiation involved and <laughs> I was in my third job at the time and I was at a startup and there was a potential for like any startup, right? This, this could pay off. Huge, it could become right? something big. Oh, Spoiler God. alert. It did not, did not pay off in any way, uh, shape or form. However, I had a lot of stock options and you know, there was a lot of ways that negotiation could have gone. And for me, basically to make it go away, I offered up my current retirement account, my my first two jobs, 401k. And that put all of the claims to bed that were being made. And when I think now, I refuse to do the math, by the way. When I think now about what that first three years of saving would have been worth yeah. 23 years later, it's kind of shocking. Oh, man. But I mean, candidly, I had a lot of faith in the company I was at at that time. I I really felt like it could be something. And like I said, just emotionally, I wanted, you know, a difficult situation for both of us to to go away. (laughs) It's a missed opportunity, right? I guess the question is, was that the smartest move? Is there something something I could have done differently? Should I have kind of fought it out? It was an emotional, in some respects, decision. Yeah. It was financially motivated as well, but who knows? But I think about it sometimes. It, it doesn't weigh on my on my heart here, but you know that's that's a big chunk of money translated 23 years later. So yeah, okay. I, I hope it uh, I hope it led to good things elsewhere, but uh, not for me. When you think of the range of financial mistakes, divorces have to have to fit up there pretty high in terms of scale of things that can go wrong, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, absolutely. half your net worth. Or yeah. I don't know what percentage of your net worth that represented, but I mean, it also- At that time, quite a bit. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. Yeah, because at that time, we didn't own a house, still had used cars, right? Um, oh, no. Man, that's From rough. a net worth perspective, it was real. Yeah, and there was some marital debt, too, that I, that I agreed to take on, so- You know, big mistakes in my 20s were just not- The biggest one I can think of is not saving. The very end of my 20s, Laura and I got married. I, to be honest, I don't know how old I was when I got married. <laughs> I feel like I was probably 30, maybe maybe 30. I feel like that's when everyone, except for you, was getting married. And uh, I feel like you were a little under 30, but yeah. Okay, so end of the 20s, transitioning to the 30s, That that's when you start spending on these kind of big things. Like yeah. a house or a wedding. I mean, for us, it was a wedding. And 
uh, I remember Laura's father saying, Hey, uh, you're asking for this sum of money. It was like 9,000 bucks, something like that. Okay. And he's, um, you know, his share of the kind of wedding costs, uh, which sounds ridiculous, um, for one day. Right. Um, and he's like, happy to give this to you. I'm also happy just, you know, for the wedding. Um, but I'm also happy just to write you the check and you can spend it on a down payment for a house, which is what I would recommend. And, yeah. you know, of all the people I think in both Laura and my life, um, who have treated finances with any degree of seriousness, it would be him. And so I, we obviously didn't take that advice. We're like, ah, we got the wedding, you know, it's like a big party for our friends. It's, it's like this gateway from childhood to adulthood. And, and it's yeah. just, we had no other way of paying for it. It's like, it's this big party that we somehow have to afford, but we couldn't really afford it. So again, it's that spending without really having it, that kind of mentality was still in existence at that point. And we were, I mean, we were making pretty modest salaries in our professional yeah. jobs at that point. Um, and, you know, so I think just that, that idea of spending money, just on frivolous, on a frivolous one day event. <laughs> it's kind of yeah. crazy, but I mean, did you, I forget when, when did you start making those big financial decisions that everyone makes? Like the house, didn't you buy a house in, I waited to buy a house until, uh, 2006. So oh, okay. I was 33. No kidding. We always, we always rented. Yeah. Okay, we I didn't rented. Yeah. And some of that was just, you know, I, I felt pretty strongly that, and still do, if you don't know you're going to be somewhere, no, for, for five years or preferably yeah. 10, buying a house is a very risky thing. And I, don't, I, I might totally. get flamed apart for saying real estate isn't an investment, but I firmly believe that a primary residence is a, is a poor idea of an investment, certainly oh, yeah. a very risky, very risky one. Um, and I was very honest about the fact that, you know, with the whole leveling up approach to how I wanted to manage my career, we were probably going to move around a lot. Certainly yeah. the first couple jobs taught me that was probably the case and right. it continued to be the case. And, you know, we did move out of state and in state quite a few times, man. I tallied it up the other day. It was like 15 times, <laughs> oh but God. so we weren't going to buy a house and, and we didn't. And, you know, it wasn't until we had our daughter, we moved back from Maine to Connecticut that we said, right, our careers are at the right point. We think we're going to, you know, stay put for a while. Let's buy a house. Yeah. Now, on one hand, I think that was a super responsible decision, like a good time for us. But on the other hand, like not so much yeah. because we bought when the market was still super high and uh, it did not stay there. <laughs> so, you know, fast forward five years later when I had the opportunity to move to California the market was way down. Uh -huh. And so I ended up having to sell a house underwater. Oh. And when I say had to, I say that because the town we lived in had basically no rental market. Oh, okay. And I was going to say, why didn't you just rent it? <laughs> I couldn't afford to carry a mortgage and a Bay Area rent for <laughs> certain. I, you know, we, we were yeah. pretty, you know, we were on a budget when we first moved to California for sure. Right. right. So we sold it. And thankfully I had, you know, uh, I was in a good negotiation point, uh, with my company for the move. I was able to get them to split the difference on the loss I was going to take. So I only paid half the loss, but that was still more than 20 grand. Yeah. Wow. You know, that yeah, I had to pay. A pretty big loss. <laughs> it's a big loss. So when I think of financial mistakes, you know, I, I, I sort of like fight with myself, whether that's a mistake because it ended up enabling something really positive, but 
Um, it was certainly a financial step in a wrong direction that didn't feel very good at the time. And, um, yeah, moving to California turned out to be great, but man, that was a, that's a big hit. <laughs> yeah. When we, I mean, it's funny that you said 2006 was when you bought because we built this house in 2007, bought the raw land and that was yeah. right before the housing crash. Um, and they were still giving out, I mean, they were just throwing money at people who just had no business <laughs> borrowing, including us right. probably at the time, you know, I mean, this was like a zero down arrangement. We, oh, okay. it was very, very small money down and we <laughs> had to pay closing costs and, you know, we had to put up some earnest money, but I mean, some total, it's probably like 3% of the, of the purchase price is what we put down. So that meant, you know, we had to have PMI and yep. all the the garbage that comes with it. I really saw that though, for me as an architect, as an investment in, I'm going to design this thing and this is going to yes. be piece number one in my like personal portfolio. So it felt, it didn't feel like, um, a financial mistake. And it felt like something that Laura and I had been just working toward, but we didn't save for it. <laughs> it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't because we were good savers or that we had really should have been buying that. Um, and I'm glad that we did real estate market here has never, you know, we've never been underwater on the thing, the real estate market on an Island. There's limited amount of land, right? Uh, inventory. Yeah. Inventory is just, it's always scarce here. So I feel like it, that was an okay decision, but you know, in that time is when you start having kids and right. you know, it's same for you. Right. And you get yep. all of these other costs that appear daycare and diapers and formula and all of the activities that your kids do. And I, I feel like that decade, like between 30 and 40, it was just about survival for us. I don't really for that, that whole decade, huh? Well, just, just making it work. I mean, we were both professionals working, but yeah. we live in a remote place. I mean, we're not getting paid. We're not getting the same kind of Bay, Bay area salaries, but cost of living here is a lot lower, you know? Um, but I feel like that that time, instead of us really taking a critical look at what we were spending, what was coming in and what was going out, we were just spending and trying to have fun with the family. You know, we'd go on progressively better and better vacations, but we weren't saving. We, we right. just like, you know, it just wasn't really happening. We were doing the minimum for probably retirement savings. But it, again, when you're in your, when you're 30, it's not adding up to much. So you look at it and you're like, should I keep doing this or is there a better use of this right. money? <laughs> That's kind of how I, how I looked at it, you know? We did start a 529 early, uh, saving education, saving for did, our daughter. Jerk. Yeah, but we didn't contribute very much. <laughs> we didn't contribute very much. We did it monthly, but it was pretty modest. And, yeah. you know, when I think back, we got really lucky because we were able to end up doing some catch up contributions later on, you know, taking some bonus pay and putting it towards that. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it would have been a very different conversation yeah. with, with our daughter. So, I mean, maybe it's crisis averted. That's something I would put out there and I would hang on us. Like Lori had the awesome idea to do a 529 pretty early. She did all the research, found a good plan because really? our yeah. state, state, state plans weren't good yes. in Connecticut and there was no tax deduction. Um, but uh, actually, no, we were still in Maine. So you know all about it. We yeah, there's no tax deduction Iowa. for 529s yeah. here, right. and <clears throat> the the state plan isn't that great. But the they do have a matching grant, and that okay. I'll say is the only reason why we started one. But we started, 
I mean, the kids were maybe five, probably okay. three and five when we started, but we literally just did the bare amount to get the match, <laughs> whatever yeah, it was. Okay. I was like, well, this is, it's kind of silly that we would walk away from that sort of gift of money. So yeah, it was a, free money. Yeah. And it was like a one for one match on whatever, some small amount of money. It wasn't huge, but I mean, we weren't contributing with any kind of diligence because we both just assumed looking at the you know, projected rate of rise of college costs, there's that there's no way we could possibly save enough that would, it would make a difference. And we also figure, you know, we just said these kids are going to have to rely on merit scholarships because, you know, we're two working professionals who are probably going to be crowded out of the need market too, which is, yep. I don't know. I'm sure that's where you're going to be. And we're definitely there now, you know, for sure. So not saving. I mean, I think the, the theme here is not saving, (laughs) uh, yeah, I mean, not saving, not saving enough early, saving enough. early enough, right? Early I enough. think you started to say it earlier. We didn't take advantage of those earliest years where you get the benefit of compounding, you get the benefit of tax advantaged, you know, accounts. Uh, we talked about Roths, for example, and you know, we just didn't do that stuff. So, you know, when I when I read, you know, on Reddit or wherever about these twenty somethings maxing out out all those things, that's fantastic, yeah, that's right? Awesome. That's gonna pay for itself a million times over. I certainly didn't do that. I can't imagine what their life must look like, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, some of them are are a pretty scarcity mindset and yeah. headed for lean fire, and and that's a valid choice, of oh, course. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I I wouldn't have been ready to make that choice myself. Some of this is a mindset issue because now that you know, as I roll into my forties and I have some awareness around the responsibilities that I have to my kids, to my parents, yeah. to my spouse, you you know, everything starts to come into better focus and, you know, you start to understand that, um, I mean, worth, I'm thankful that we've been able to save for college just, but it's only been because of the past couple of years and, and those, you know, the income that the business made, but I mean, yeah. So you caught up too, basically You, you were able to do more. Yeah. And finally feel like I just have a, I'm just way more focused on it, you know? And, and I'm trying to think, to my kids, how am I going to prevent them from making these same mistakes? Because there's a certain amount of that that you just have to make. Like Henning the other day, he um, he failed his driving her first driving test, and so here in Maine, in order to schedule your second one, you need to physically fill out a form, put okay. it in the mail with a check, and send it to Augusta. He um, puts in the envelope cash like a wad of cash. Cause that's how he's getting paid for his ring business right, right now. And does the envelope make it to Augusta? No, it doesn't make it to Augusta because he put it in the mailbox at the road. And as is bound to happen around here, people go to mailboxes and they steal any envelope that looks like it has cash in it, <laughs> Of course, <laughs> which was his, I'm sure. I mean, I, maybe something else happened, but you know, it's just these money lessons that you learn. I said, yeah. well, you'll probably never send cash in the mail again. And so I want him to make those mistakes, just like yeah. you want your kids to have these lessons for themselves. But then there are certain ones like like the Roth that that's a big that would be a big mistake to walk away from knowing what like you and I know. Yeah. Um, and it's and also how do you teach your kids to be savers? It's hard. I mean, I, I'll tell you, I, I gave it one, sh- uh, one really, <laughs> one shot. <laughs> de- no, one deliberate attempt so far, and and as yet, it hasn't met with a lot of success. We we set up a, a what do you call them, a UTMA account, uh, yeah, guardian account for sure. your kid, 
they, they've had a couple different names over the years, but you know, we, we put like $5,000 in it and we said, anything you contribute to this, we will match. Oh, that's cool. You know, and, and our daughter would get gifts from people and you know, what have you, but she doesn't like, she wouldn't more than a couple of times. She wouldn't do this. Even though I, I showed her, and she's good at math, even though she hates math, she's good at it. I would show her the graph. I'm like, look at what this money could be in five years, ten years, whatever. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, so here's what it's going to look like if you never put money in it again, um, and here's what it looks like if you put anything in it. And I, again, I'm matching it. That's free money. <laughs> so she wouldn't do it. She'd rather put it in her savings account because then the money will be there if she needs to spend it. What I told her was, uh, obviously, Lori's in on this. This is not just my idea. You know, here's your education account. This is going to be more than enough to pay for state university. And it'll pay for a good portion of uh, another state's public university. But you want to go to private university? You're going to be taking out loans for that. This UTMA account at 20 years old, it's going to look like this. 30 years old and so on, it's going to look like that. You could use this for a blowout wedding if you want. (laughs) I'm not paying for a blowout wedding. Or... You could save it, and this could be your down payment on your first house, or it could be, you know, retirement money for you. It could be whatever you want. It's your dowry. That's yours, man. <laughs> it's your dowry. <laughs> I don't know. So for me, like, I, cool. I earnestly hope, especially as she gets older, we can have that discussion a little more seriously. Because right at fifteen, it doesn't still doesn't feel very it's, serious. Yeah, it's not happening. Yeah, no. right. You know, but I'm hopeful that at some point it will. Because I would love to prevent some of the mistakes that we've talked about and just help her have a leg up on some of that stuff. Cause you know, yes, that struggle teaches you stuff in your you know first jobs and everything, but you don't have to have the same degree of struggle right. to learn those lessons, <laughs> I think. True. Right. So, I mean, if that helps give her a leg up, like awesome. I feel like we've, that lesson is worthwhile, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. I the, think the jury's out. Yeah. The, the things that worry me most are the the habits, the systems, you want to get the, the savings mindset right? And, and you know, the save first spend what's left over mindset to me would have been life changing, you know, instilled at an earlier age. But I don't know that you can actually change someone's habits. As I look at my two boys, okay. 15 and 17, they, they are very different. Like, you know, they're probably different than Arwen too. And just like everybody else out there, you look at your kids and you can say, okay, one of them is a saver and the other is a spender. <laughs> They're both oh, really, really okay. good at their respective duties. And, <laughs> and the one who's saving doesn't want to spend on anything, like including things he needs. So it, it's, it's an interesting problem. The one who's spending would never save. He's the first guy, and and I can see him if he goes to college. He's going to be the guy who goes out at the bar, and he's like, "I've you, you forgot your wallet. Don't worry, drinks on, yeah, me. on me." Like, yeah, slip <laughs> so around, yeah, everybody, come on over. That's him, man. <laughs> Lining up the shooters on the bar. <laughs> I am not co-signing his credit card. I'm just going to say that. I'm just yeah, not going to do you it. You can already tell. Yeah, <laughs> you'll you'll sign Sig's credit card though. Uh, oh, you you made a guess. You made a guess. Huh? <laughs> just, I mean, I, I feel like. Just the the amount of data I have made that yes. pretty easy. It did, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Arma's pretty good. Like she she will save. And then when she really wants something, she'll t- she'll ask to take the money out and spend it. Now uh-huh. and, and and by and large, it's just dumb like YouTuber stuff, like a <laughs> uh, like a way overpriced hoodie. Yeah. Or something oh, yeah. like that. I mean, one time it was a four hundred dollar gaming chair, but <laughs> 
by and large, it's been like $50 things yeah. here or there. She's sure. pretty thoughtful with money. I'm kind of shocked that I don't, maybe, I don't think, I don't know that we get to take credit for that. I mean, we, we talk about budgeting. We talk about like, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the way bigger payoff when you, you spend on something you really care about. Right. And you saved for it. You think but, it's not getting through, but I mean, there's some degree of assimilation that just gosh, happens. I hope so. Because of the way you've structured your household and, I mean, your position right now can't help but be, you know, an education in what to do to become financially successful, right? I mean, she she yeah. must have some visibility into what got you guys where you are. And, and I guess the thing that I always want for my kids is I still want them to have the hustle of figuring it out. Like Henning right now is going to be buying the truck from me. And we're looking at, so in order to take his next driving test he, the car needs to be, you know, inspected. So the inspection runs out in like a couple of days here. Yeah. And so I said, okay, so in order for this to be inspected, these are the things you're going to look at. And so we're looking at the tires and we look at the tires and if they're not going to pass inspection. So I said, okay, did you get your little feeler gauge out and check them? You can just see the the wear bars, oh. you know? Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're pretty, they're pretty bad. And, um, and so we're looking at that. And so we go and look and see what a new set of tires costs. And you know, there's that, I want them to own the financial responsibility of what it means to have a car. I don't want to step in and solve that problem for them, you know, and sure. And I think that's the right approach in some, to some degree, like you setting up a UTMA account, that's solving the problem. Just like I'm, you know, I'm contributing two thirds of the cost of the tires and the rims that he wants to buy. Cause the rims, I mean, the rims are rusty. You can't have rusty rims, dad. That that doesn't look good. Of course not. (laughs) So I don't know. I think there is that, um, instilling those financial values and systems that you feel like have helped you get to where you are. And then also leaving some room for them to make some mistakes like mailing cash to, you know, re re up their driver's test that, you know, he'll, he'll never do that again. So. Join us as the conversation continues next time on two sides of Phi, for show notes, resources, and links to the video version, please check out our website at twosidesoffi.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider rating it at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. It's great feedback for us, and for a small show like ours, it's a key way to help get the word out. Thank you.